to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. We're listening to the Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength strategy that will help fix the thoughts, feelings, and actions that can hold you back in life. Today, I'm talking about creating goals and how to avoid three common goal-setting mistakes most people make. A lot of people talk about the importance of sticking to goals and reaching goals, but none of that works unless you know how to create a really good goal in the first place. As a therapist, my job with every person who comes in my office involves creating a short-term goal with them. We identify what they want to get out of being in therapy. People often tell me that they want to be happier or they want to be less anxious. So we take those ideas and turn them into clear goals. But creating healthy, helpful goals isn't just for therapy. Most people do better when they have some kind of goal that they're working on. Fitness goals, relationship goals, financial goals or professional goals are just a few examples. No matter what kind of goal you're creating for yourself, it all starts with establishing a good goal to begin with. Here are three goal-setting mistakes to avoid. Mistake number one, creating a goal you can't measure. One of the reasons why many goals just don't work is that they're more like resolutions rather than goals. People say things like, I want to be healthier. But what does that really even mean? If you want to eat more vegetables, did you meet your goal? If you exercise twice a week, are you healthier? If you get more sleep, does that mean that you met your goal? When you have a big idea in mind, like you want to be happier, healthier, or less anxious, ask yourself, what would I be doing if I met that goal? Think about the behavioral changes you want to make because you can measure the action that you take. So while you can't measure whether you're healthier, you can measure how many times you went to the gym or how often you ate vegetables. And when you make your goal actionable and measurable, you can create a plan to reach that goal. When I work with people who want to create a goal that addresses their mood, we find ways to make it actionable and measurable as well. So someone might rate their mood on a scale of 1 to 10 every day, with 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. Someone with depression might find that most days they rate their moods like a two or a three. So their goal might be to have more six or seven days rather than two or three days every week. Or maybe they create an average mood that they want to have every week. Then we create strategies that boost their mood each day so that they can try to meet their goals. But ultimately, just make sure that whatever goal you create is something that you can measure in the end. Mistake number two, creating a goal that you don't have control over. Well, you might be tempted to create a goal about getting promoted or about winning a race. You don't have complete control over those things. You can't force your boss to pick you for a promotion and you can't make sure everyone else in the race is slower than you. If you really want to create a helpful goal, make the goal about what you're going to do. So you might say you're going to finish the race in under 30 minutes. Then regardless of how fast everyone else runs, you'll know if you met your goal. Or you might say you're going to attend two networking events a month and meet with your boss once a week in hopes that those things will help you get a promotion. Even weight loss can be a little bit tricky with this one. Maybe you say your goal is to lose 10 pounds. 
But I don't think that you can control every aspect of weight loss. You might retain more water one day than the next, for example, and you might start to perseverate on the exact number of calories you consume to the point that it becomes unhealthy. You might also be tempted to cheat the system a little bit. I once worked in an office that offered Weight Watchers once a week at lunchtime. Some people went to ridiculously unhealthy measures to make sure that the scale showed that they'd lost weight. Like this one woman stopped drinking water at six o'clock the night before getting weighed in. Then when she stepped on the scales, all dehydrated the next day, she'd weigh less than she did the week before. Of course, that made it tougher to make it look like she lost weight the next week. But her goal became more about gaming the system than it did about actually losing weight in a healthy way. A better goal would be to say, I'm going to hit the gym for 20 minutes, three times a week, or I'm going to go for a walk after dinner, five nights a week, or I'm going to eat three meals a day and only two snacks, something like that you can measure and it becomes within your control. Ultimately, at the end of your goal cycle, you'll feel good knowing that you focused on your goal and did what you could to make it happen. And you'll feel less anxious about what other people are doing, which can be a huge distraction when you're trying to focus on a goal in front of you. And mistake number three, creating a goal without a timeline. You've probably heard the old saying, the difference between a goal and a dream is a timeline. It's true. When you decide you're going to do something someday, you're not likely to do it because someday never actually appears on the calendar. Even long-term goals get pushed down the priority list because we think we'll have more time to work on them later. That's another reason why a lot of resolutions fail. People decide that they're going to get healthier or get out of debt, but they don't put a timeline on it. Statistically, most resolutions get abandoned by mid-January. But I bet if you had a goal that you wanted to accomplish by the end of January, you'd be much more likely to stick to it for a whole month. So it's important to break down a big goal into smaller objectives. You need to know what you're going to do today to get a step closer to your ultimate goal. That might mean that you're going to do something like check your bank account and add up today's spending. And it might mean that you're not going to do something else, like you're not going to shop online today. Those little steps can help you get a little closer to a big goal, like getting out of debt or saving enough money for a specific purchase. I'm also a big fan of 30-day challenges. We can accomplish a lot in 30 days when we make something a big priority. And when you only have 30 days to do it, you'll be less likely to skip a day or cheat. No matter what kind of goals you're creating for yourself, make sure that you establish a really good goal to begin with. You'll set yourself up for success and increase the chances that you'll succeed. The next time you create a goal, make sure that it's a goal you can measure, a goal that you have control over, and a goal that has a real timeline. And then you can put your energy into meeting that goal with a clear purpose. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.